Friday, the first NFL Monday. Are you serious? What a great day. Welcome, hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm on one today. I got to tell you, I've already been called a piece of garbage by some little blogger boys in Indy. I've already had a little scrap going on Twitter with the folks at one of the little blogger boys who are celebrating the Colts tie. Oh, they'll be fine. 500 yards of offense. I got to tell you, I hate dumb coaching. Look, I know dumb coaching, and I hate dumb coaching. I do. I hate it. Uh, Frank Reich, wildcat backfield with Naheem Hines when you've got Jonathan Taylor running the ball. I can't believe it. Why do I have to go on Twitter and coach the Colts? Will you explain this to me? Can somebody please explain this to me? Why do I have to go on Twitter? All I say, play action out of the two-minute warning. Where do they go? Play action. Phew, touchdown. Run the ball. That's no, there's no, that's not rocket science. That doesn't mean, uh, what's wrong? You don't have to have coached to know that. Run the ball. You got Jonathan Taylor. You're on the fourth. No, get cute. Hey, how about Cincinnati? Zach Taylor. Well, you know, minute nine to go, 13, 14 seconds on the play clock. Let's punt. How about Naheem Hines feeling a punt inside the freaking six yard line late in the game? What are you doing? What are we doing? I mean, look, I say this all the time. I say this all the time because I learned this from Bob Knight. You guys may not like Bob Knight. You may not know who Bob Knight is. But at one point in this world, Bob Knight was considered the greatest coach in any sport ever. And I'm being serious about that. Bob Knight said, victory favors the team making the fewest mistakes. My God, mistakes. And I got to tell you, you can blame Dak Prescott being hurt, and I know he got hurt. We'll talk about it. But the Cowboys were horrible. I, hey, look, Tom Brady can still slang it. I'm wrong on so many things, I'm not happy about it. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers looked pretty good. Joey Burrow looked abysmal. Then he came back and played. A lot was going on yesterday. We'll hear from Baker Mayfield. We'll hear from a very upset Arthur Smith in Atlanta about the, the poor media burying. I wish the media would bury somebody in Indy. We got velvet peaches and cream in Indy. Everybody gets mad at me. Like I said, I've already been called a piece of trash. Garbage, garbage, yes. I am a piece of garbage. That's me, yes. Yes, I am. When blogger boys call me names, I just accept it. In Indy, I don't know how it is in your city. I don't know. But I know this. In my city, in my city, all right, um, here's the deal. The deal is this. The deal is we love, love to, I mean, we can't even get enough of the culture good, the culture great, the culture the best, the culture fantastic, the culture unbelievable. Oh, my God, we can't get enough. Cults stink until proven otherwise. Every team in the NFL is on a proven deal. I'm going to get to that, including Belichick coming up here in a minute. I am. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to laugh about it, and we're going to talk about it, Belichick and Brady, because the divorce, holy cow. All right. Hey, some weird stuff this week. Some really, really, really weird stuff. All right? Uh, Let's show numero uno. How hammered is this LSU fan? Serious business. What a wreck this guy is. I mean, let's show this guy, I don't know, just kind of sauntering around, just kind of on the field. Look at this guy. He's just on the field. He's just walking on the field. 
Uh, hey, what's going on, fellas? Can I play? Hey, guys. I do. I get it. I, what? What's going on? Hey, you mad at me? Uh, what? What? what I do? How hammered is that guy? Now, the cops took him down. They handcuffed him and went away. And I tried today to find anyone anywhere that that guy is talking. Like, uh, do you remember this? What did you take? What happened to you? What was going on? What? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know, but there he is. He just walked on the field. I've got to tell you, in my life, I've seen guys run on the field. I've seen women run on the field. We saw guys run on golf courses. We saw naked dudes running on golf courses. We've seen everything. But I'm not sure I've ever seen a kid just walk onto the field and go, hey, guys, what's going on? What's happening? Look at him. What's happening, fellas? Can I play? No, man, game's on ice. No, man, we got pads. You don't have any pads. How about that? I love these things. How about this guy? These are the sights and sounds from this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, this guy showed up ready to play, man. This guy coming up here in the Lions uniform, this guy, he showed up ready to play. Some of us show up in jerseys. Some of us tuck our jerseys in. Some of us do whatever. But I got to tell you, it's awesome. It's fantastic. This guy shows up with his wife walking in the concourse in Detroit, and he's ready. We got that picture? We got that video? This dude is in full uniform. He is ready Hey, Look at him, sparkle, cocky. He's ready, man. Pants, helmet, you know, number 49, so I don't know if he's a long snapper, but he's just ready. And oh, by the way, my man Danny Mack got us a little bet, didn't he? He got us a little candy. Yes, he did. Why? What? Well, he told us, take the Lions. Take that guy's team right there. Take them four and a half. We did. We won. We won a lot this weekend. I don't know if we won so much on this show. I don't have all the bets. So guys back there, when we recap the bets, if you can find them, I, I don't know. But I love that. I love it. Hey, look. Everybody in Indy, I don't know about your city, but I love this about Indy. Everybody shows up in uniforms. I think it's awesome. I think it's great. They all show up in uniforms. They're all ready. You know, everybody's got their blue on. I would love to have the sales concession from one day of Colts uniform. It's awesome. But I don't think I've ever seen anybody showing up in the stands in full uniform. True story, my wife a few years ago, I asked her, what do you want for Christmas? She goes, you know what? I think I want a full Dallas Cowboy uniform, including shoulder pads. <laughs> she was a Dallas Cowboy fan. I've never seen that. I'm not going to lie. I- I've never seen it, and I ain't mad about seeing it. I want to see it. I want to continue to see it. We should see it. All right. Baker Mayfield, tough one for Baker Mayfield. Now, that was a tough one. Let- let's be honest. Going back, let's just think for a second now. Going back from Baker Mayfield, for Baker Mayfield, going back to Cleveland, that ain't easy because you have emotions. Yes, the one overriding emotions, I'm going to kick there, you know what? No, there's so many emotions in going back. There just are. You know, you got a bunch of buddies. You got a bunch of dudes. You got a bunch of guys that you played with, that you fought with. Uh, 26, 24, Baker got beat. A um, lot of people making a big deal about a lot of people make, I, I don't make fun of Baker. Baker played his brains out. Hey, look, 
Guy makes a 58-yard field goal for the win. What are you going to do? Seriously, what are you going to do? I mean, Baker Mayfield, let's see here. Baker Mayfield, 16 of 27, 235 yards. All right. He was fine. But 58-yard field goal, gotcha. Wait, did I go this backwards? Let's go, let's go to Baker Mayfield's comments first. Let's hear from uh, Baker. It's, it's always good to see familiar faces. Um, emotional, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get too much into that. But just, it was good to see some people. Obviously, disappointed with the way things finished. Would love to have bragging rights against those guys, but uh, we didn't finish. Um, mostly because we didn't start fast. Yeah, you know, it, it, the party is a professional, right? I mean, you come, you show up, you play no matter what. But the other part's like, wait a second here. Come on. You know, I want to, Lottie is personal. And I thought Baker would play well. I actually thought that Carolina might win the game. But Jacoby Brissett did what Jacoby Brissett does. Jacoby Brissett manages a game. Doesn't really make, doesn't make mistakes. I watched him here at Indy. You got to understand, I think you Indy people will agree with this. Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett was going to be 7-0 and as the quarterback of the Colts. But, but Adam Vinatieri, the GOAT, and he is the GOAT, missed two big field goals or extra point on one, and he, he ends up 5-2, and two, then he gets banged up, and then he's out. But Jacoby Brissett is not terrible. I'm not saying he's great. I'm not. But he is not terrible. This never happens in Indy. In Indy, the Colts tie with the, uh, who the hell they play? Texans. And people write puff pieces. Oh, it's great. Oh, we scared 500 uh, yards in offense. Oh, we did that. Oh, we did that. You know what I mean? Well, apparently in Atlanta, they care about football. Indianapolis, our city, cares about PR. The fans care. But the media wants to go to Camp Ballard. At Camp Ballard, they serve nachos. Well, Arthur Smith, that guy right there, he ain't happy. He ain't happy at all. Why is Arthur Smith not happy? Arthur Smith is not happy, number one, first and foremost, and let's make no mistake about it, his team got beat. His team was winning for most of the game, and then his team got beat. So what happens is you're feeling it after the game. You are. You're feeling 27-26. It was an unbelievable comeback. His team got beat. They feel like they're good. They had a 16-point deficit in the fourth quarter. Dude kicks 51-yard field goal, guy named Lutz, and there you go. But you can't sleep on Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, whap, got it back, whap, touchdown, touchdown, boom. Well, by the way, um, I like Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is going to be the Jose Canseco. He's going to go 40-40, but I love him. I love his quotes. I love everything about him. But Arthur, he is not happy, this guy. This guy, Coach Smith, is not happy. Let's hear from the coach. You guys wrote our obituary uh, back in, in May, and you'll continue to write our obituary. Who cares? Because we got 16 games, and if we don't learn from this and get better, and we got to go, go play L.A., they got a three-day uh, three jump on us. So we'll, we'll watch the tape, we'll look for corrections, and then we got to get, get going on the Rams. So write whatever y'all want. The same guys that you guys ranked as 45th, you buried us in May. Bury us again. We don't care. We'll get back to work. Thank you. 
I guess I don't understand, and, and, and I do, because when you're a coach, you're feeling it, right? You're pissed, you're angry, you're, you know, your, your team played a hell of a game, and next thing you know, you know, they didn't finish, and you, you think your team's good enough, and that's going to come back to haunt them. You know, there's wicked, even, evil people in the media. They can't wait to bring that back on them once they go 0-2, and, and then 0-3, and, and 0-4. And you know, they do. That's what, that's what the media does. That's what they're paid to do. I'm not saying it's bad. I like a media that will not be the PR arm for the team. You know, Nick Wright on Fox said it. Nick Wright said it perfectly. He said it used to be the local media was there to hold the team accountable. Now the local media is there to be the PR team. I like what they do in Atlanta. Our guys here in Indy, they exchange gifts. All right. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Tell me I'm a fool. You can do that without, you know, correcting me if I'm wrong, but just tell me I'm a fool. Here's the deal. All right. Isn't it time Belichick wins something without Brady? I mean, I'm not asking anybody to be fired. I'm not saying that, you know, the guy can't coach. I'm not saying any of it. I'm just saying that you're on year three. This is year three. And you went 10 and 7 year one without Brady. Fine. Maybe you had the Brady residual effect. Then you went 7 and 9. Now you're 0-1. Do you know what that record equals to? I'm no math major, but that is 17 and 7. That's what that is. 17 and 17. Sorry. 17 and 17. That is 500. Is that a big enough spot? To say, hey, Belichick, probably not, 34 games. But you know what Brady is? I'm just going regular season. I'm not even going to bring in the fact that the man went to the Super Bowl and won it. I'm just going to give you it for, oh, I don't know, 24 and 9. With a Super Bowl win, yeah, I'm going to do that. I mean, hey, that was always going to be the thing. It's like in my city of Indy, right? In Indy, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to compare Carson Wentz, who won yesterday, throw four touchdowns, two interceptions, with Matt Ryan, who tied yesterday but threw for 350. Ain't nothing wrong with Matt Ryan. He fumbled a few snaps. Okay, fine, threw a bad interception, but hell, he's not going to be perfect. But Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz is going to be a comparison in my world. Maybe not yours, in mine. Belichick and Brady is always going to be a comparison. And I got to tell you, it's time for Belichick to do some winning now that Mac Jones is out. I sit there and go, well, wait a second. Hold the phone. Uh, what, what are we doing? Like, where are we? Belichick hasn't won squat without break. He did the one year with Matt Castle, right? Matt Castle jumped, and people always point to that. That was not even this decade. That was so long ago, I may have had hair and real hair. Not the swoosh that I do. Ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you, Belichick, it's, and that smugness, here's the deal with smug press conferences, and I think you all would agree with this. A smug press conference is awesome when you're winning. I'm moving on. Everybody goes to eat. Now it's like, yeah, okay, I don't have time for you. When you're losing, you don't have time for that. When you don't win, and it's only one game, and this is absolutely an overreaction, but it has, ladies and gentlemen, been 17 games. And don't even at me, you Colts fans, or you Colts lovers, or you national media lovers. Don't even at me. Don't even think about it. 
about saying, well, it's only one game, Dan. No, no, it's been five years here. Now we're going on year three with Brady and Belichick. You tell me. You tell me. Huh. League comes at you fast. Belichick's the best coach in the history of the league, but every best coach in the history of whatever, uh, well, not every, most stepped down not wanting to step down. Kay did. Roy did. College basketball coaches are getting smart. They're getting older. They understand the game may not be what it was, and we're getting out before we slide. Pretty smart. I'm not saying Belichick should get out. I'm not saying Belichick cannot do it. I'm just saying he needs to start winning at some point. How about the AFC? How about the AFC South? The AFC South did not win a game yesterday. Didn't win a game. Not a game. Zero. Zip. Nothing. Didn't win a game. Now, let me explain this to you. The AFC South played itself. Colts and the Texans tied. I got to tell you, watching that game, the Texans were okay, good for a long time. Colts were bad, and then it completely flipped. And then the Texans looked abysmal. I was shocked, and this is not me as a Colts fan. I want the Colts to win every game because it's more interesting in your city. More people listen. More people pay attention in your city, okay, when the Colts or the local team is good. They just do. All right, here's the deal. Um, <clears throat> so the Colts flip the game. They're going to win. I swear they're going to win. Davis Mills can't find a receiver. The pass rush gets going. Quiddy Pay has two interceptions or two sacks. And next thing you know, boom, Colts can't move the ball. So they end up tying. Jacksonville, they do what Jacksonville does. They played all right. They lost. Don't even tell me. I, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I'm watching uh, Trevor Lawrence, and I'm like, he's good. He's good. Is he Andrew Luck? Is he Peyton Manning? Is he Tom Brady? And that's who he's supposed to be? Yeah, I don't think so. I can't lie. I thought the Texans looked awful second half of the game. Colts looked awful first half of the game. They got what they should have got. Jacksonville looked like Jacksonville. But I got to tell you, Titans fans, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, I don't know. A lot of people say typical Titans choke. See, I've never really thought the Titans choked. I've always thought the Titans kind of come through. At least that's my feeling when I watch them take on the Colts. I always feel like, hey, they got Mike Vrabel. They're pretty tough. They got out toughed yesterday. And I got to tell you, I know Brian Dayball went for two, and people act like that's so rare. That shouldn't be rare, should it? Should it? I mean, it, should that be rare? I don't think it should be. I think more teams should go. I just remember, I remember Urban Meyer, first games as coach at Bowling Green. He always went for two, beat Missouri, beat Northwestern. I love what Dable did. I did, and I think he's a breath of fresh air doing that. But I also think that more coaches should do that. I also think from a Colts perspective, and there's a lot of Colts talk right now, Colts perspective, you got to be a little bit happy. Why? Well, because you always want cracks. You want cracks in the best team in the division. And make no doubt the best team in the division has been the Titans. So you want cracks. You know, there's not many cracks when you go about the business of Mike Vrabel and his football. Not very many cracks in there. But now with Malik Willis, the way Ryan Tannehill played in the playoffs, an early loss, yeah. I want to see those Willis jerseys out there. I want to get in the head of Tannehill because we got to have the Colts 
win. But what an awful division. I mean, awful. Ladies and gentlemen, can you stop hating on Patrick Mahomes? I said this the other day. Now, everybody's going to deny it, but I said this the other day. Patrick Mahomes caught more hell in the offseason this year than he had in his entire career combined. Patrick Mahomes, when he was playing behind Alex Smith, was, hey, look at me, guy. Wait till we get Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, when he came into the league, took it by storm, won himself a Super Bowl. You know what he became? The Steph Curry of the NFL. Patrick Mahomes led an unbelievable comeback against the Buffalo Bills, and then they didn't get to the Super Bowl. And then you know what everybody started saying? Hey, not that good. Huh? You know what I've been saying? Shut up. Shut up. Are you insane? Patrick Mahomes is not that good? Patrick Mahomes yesterday went 30 of 39, 360 yards, 9.2 average, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty good. All these guys that are supposed to be good? Okay. Kyler Murray, supposed to be good? Stop with the Patrick Holmes. I refuse to listen to any of it. I have told you this. I have told you this, and I will continue to tell you this. This guy is the most fun football player maybe ever. Now, I put maybe in there because whenever I say anything about a football player, Walter Payton is always my guy. Always. Start to finish. Always my guy. So, whenever I'm going to say somebody's the best or the most, I always caveat it with Wally P. That was a bad man. But I got to tell you, this guy revolutionized the quarterback position, just like Steph Curry revolutionized the point guard position. So stop with the hate on this guy. I don't care if he throws five interceptions next week. Stop with the hate. This guy is the boss. Until further notice, yes, Josh Allen looks fantastic. No question about it. But this guy right here, I pay to watch him. I pay to watch Lamar Jackson. Uh, yesterday, my stepson asked me, who's your favorite quarterbacks? Give me your five favorites. First two, Lamar Jackson, because I have this weird affinity for him. I just think he's great. And this guy, I'm not sure anybody else comes close. I get Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers looked old yesterday against a very tough Viking defense. All right. I don't know if you saw this. I don't know what you were looking at. I know what I did. Saturday, let me ask you a question. Was Saturday like, man, it was like the first day of the NCAA playoffs, was it not? Yes. Yes. They, it looked like the first day. Because I got, I'm trying to cook burgers for everybody. I got on this screen, I've got, App State going to beat Texas A&M. And then I had to flip over because I don't have a lot of screens. I don't have like three screens. My stepson and I were watching. And then we got Wisconsin getting beat by Washington State. I mean, it was literally like, wait a second. I got to get the true TV. What the hell is true TV? I don't know. I got to get the true TV. And then they both happened, which happens in the NCAA tournament. It does. It happens. It happens in the NCAA tournament, and it happens all the time. And then the team wins, and then you go, what did I just watch? This was awesome. I'm not going to lie to you. It was like the NCAA. I have not had that in a college football day in a while, and it synced up perfectly. 
It was fantastic. All right. So this time every Monday, I got to give you my college football five, five best performances. There's nothing easy about this because there was a bunch. Let me go from bottom right. All right. Bottom right. You see that IU thing right there? Indiana. Yeah, that's right. 2-0. and Now, they played bad opening half against Idaho. Now, the Vandals aren't terrible. They had a chance with the ball on the goal line to beat Washington State. But I'm going to give Indiana a pass here. Raining like crazy. Game delayed. At home is much harder. We did it once at Bowling Green. We ended up winning on our last second shot. A great play I ran out of a timeout, by the way. I can still see it. Josh Almondson, right baseline. Whap, game over. However, they bounced back, scored 29 points in the second half. The road to the college football playoff, still alive. All right, here's the deal. The road to the Heisman. You know who that is? Of course you don't. We're not going to turn, hey, Josh, or excuse me, Dylan, Dylan and Ryan, don't turn this guy, Aiden O'Connell, forward until he, he, like, let's turn him just a little bit more and more as he does better and better. And then if it goes south on me, we'll just turn his back to us. He's not ready yet to have a full front number 18. But he's there, 14 of, or 17 and 19. Yeah, I'm not even going to tell you who it was against, Indiana State. That's all right. Hey, how about Kentucky's defense? Woo! I got to tell you. I'm not going to lie to you. Anthony Richardson, what a difference a week makes. Anthony Richardson had nothing. I mean, last week I had people crushing Dan Mullen because Dan Mullen played Emory Smith instead of Anthony Richardson. I I don't know, man. Maybe, just maybe, Dan Mullen knew something, no? But Anthony Richardson looked bad, and that Kentucky defense looked really good. Yeah. The Stoop, Mark Stoops got it going. I told you before, I've ran into arrogant Kentucky football fans. Arrogant Kentucky basketball fans, that's just, that's the definition. But football fans, that defense was bad blank. Yeah, it was. How about App State, baby? How about App State? Now, here's the deal with App State. Their coach makes $450,000 a year. Jimbo Fisher makes 10 mil. If I'm sitting there in the stands... And I'm going, hmm, let me look at this. And we paid him a million five to come in here. Huh. Let me look at this. Woo. And you know what else? In watching that game, and I'm going to say, say the same thing about Washington State next, who went into Wisconsin and won. I don't know how you viewed it, but both of those teams look just as good as the other. See, in football, you got to sack up and you got to play like a crazy person, right? You just can't knock in 23s in a game and get an upset. you got to battle on every possession. App State coming off a crushing loss where they should have, I thought anyway, beat North Carolina. They couldn't get a two-point conversion. How about that? How about the toughness in that program? How about you go from losing a heartbreaker, now you got to go on the road to Texas A&M, in front of 100,000, and you win the game. Wow. Washington State. Washington State won, different scenario. They won against Idaho. They made a pick on the goal line, and now they got to go to Wisconsin, 
where my friend calls them the thick ankle team, where every thick ankled guy in Wisconsin wants to play on the line, them and I was speaking of that Iowa, my backside. But anyway, Wisconsin ended up looking no different, not being able to overpower what is always supposed to be, isn't it supposed to be a soft West Coast team? Aren't us in the Midwest supposed to be these rough and tumble guys and you guys are soft? You're soft in the, in, in the East. You're soft. I don't know what the heck's wrong with you guys. You guys on the West Coast are soft. Well, I got to tell you, I'm watching that, and Washington State goes right in and play the brakes off of them. Wow. All right, Scott Frost gone. I don't know if you saw it. Scott Frost is gone. Uh, remember? Wow. This was unbelievable. Georgia Southern stayed in, stayed in, stayed in, and this one was interesting to me. Because Georgia Southern, in my humble opinion, Georgia Southern looked totally outmanned. Like, totally outmanned physically. Like, when I looked at Georgia Southern's uh, guys, they they looked like half of what those big old corn-fed Cornhuskers looked like. But Clay Helton's team was fast, was smart. Yes, same Clay Helton that got fired at USC. How about that? What a difference a year makes. Clay Helton from USC. Now, where's Clay Helton? Oh, Georgia Southern. A 1AA division, whatever the heck it is, power. They go into Lincoln and win, and the next morning, Trey Alberts has to make a decision. I'm sure Trey Alberts, the AD of Nebraska, doesn't want to make, and that's fire his buddy, Scott Frost. You had to, though. I'm sorry, I hate to say this. You know I don't like coaches fired. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you Marshall. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you Marshall. Ladies and gentlemen, I brought you Marshall. Ladies and gentlemen, last week, I gave you Marshall. Ladies and gentlemen, last week, I said to you, Marshall. I did. I said to you, Marshall. I said to you, Marshall may, may, may win this outright. Notre Dame played the brakes off Ohio State. There's no denying that. And I thought Marcus Freeman had Notre Dame really ready to go. But there's also no denying that Notre Dame is a soft football team. Because I'm telling you right now, this was the easiest setup ever for Marshall. Notre Dame lost, but they won. People kissing their backside on a Notre Dame campus. Man, you played great. Here comes Marshall. Big time. I told you this. Big time athletes. Marshall ran the football. Marshall out-toughed Notre Dame. Marshall was better than Notre Dame, and then that's all great, but then you got to have composure down the stretch, and Marshall had unbelievable composure down the stretch. Tough times for Marcus Freeman, and don't tell me about how Brian Kelly lost to Tulsa in his first year. Brian Kelly took over a completely different mess than what Marcus Freeman took over. Congrats, to those four teams. I got some great stuff here. You want to see celebrations? You want to see college campus gone wild? I'm going to give it to you. You want to see the worst football field in the country? And oh, by the way, it is in the NFL. I don't know what to tell you, but you don't need to leave. We're going to be back here in one minute because I do not have to go to the bathroom and I am on one. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. All right, anybody that knows me knows that I love me a good celebration. Yeah, I do. I love it. I don't kind of like it. I love it. Let me, when you win a game, 
at Indiana, like a big basketball game, everybody runs to the fountain. Like, boom, everybody sprints to the fountain. Like, win a big one. The fountain is the place to be. Uh, guys are jumping around. Tops are off. Dudes are naked. Whatever. I mean, I, I've never been there, but I've always heard the stories. And I told my daughter when she was at Indiana, I hope you get at least one fountain running game, and she never did. At different school, West Virginia, what do they do? They, like, burn couches, right? And then what they do? They burn couches. Well, here's the deal. Uh, App State. Let's go through a couple of these. Here's the celebration at Appalachian State after they beat number five, Texas A&M. Here we go. Just run from both sides. Here we go. It's like a start of a marathon. Here comes the other side. I love it. How great is this? Look at these guys. Yeah! Look at this. Is this awesome? Appalachian State football team. Boone, North Carolina, one of the prettiest college campuses in the country. Just beat Texas A&M. They just beat them. And you know what? Good for them, man. Hey, college kids, baby. I am number one in terms of college kids celebrating. I am. Numero uno. I want a celebration. App State. You win? Boom. Go get them. Let's see. Uh, how about we got a biggins? You want to see a celebration? Chris Barnett, Beast Boy. Now, we can't show you the whole thing because apparently – Chris Barnett, after he won a match. Now, let me ask you all a question. Do you think he sticks to – oh, we should have had the landing. Do you think he sticks this landing? No. Not a chance in heck. The dude falls flat. But you know what? Just that picture right there, that is a cool picture. This is a man of size. This is a man of girth. This is a man that, well, quite frankly, is a man's man. He's a biggin. He's a biggin. 350 pounds of biggin. And I like the fact that he decided to do an aerial. That's what we call it. Well, I don't know if that's what we call it, but I heard it in the gymnastics uh, Olympics. He did an aerial. I don't think this ends well for Chris Barnett. Maybe it does. I don't know. But it doesn't seem like it would. I don't know. Maybe. Sure doesn't. All right. Look at this. Soldier Field. You want to know, ladies and gentlemen, you want to know why the Bears want out of Soldier Field? There's a number of reasons. Look at that line. That's an NFL game. Look at that. Do you want to know why the Bears want out of Soldier Field? Do you? I'm going to tell you why the Bears want out of Soldier Field. The Bears want out of Soldier Field because the Bears don't run the field. The Bears don't have... The people, well, it's the parks department. It's the same people that are lining the softball court. Uh, and we play mush ball in Chicago, 16 inch, not 12 inch. No gloves, by the way. It's the same people that are lining the softball coach that you, the softball fields that you saw in about last night. That, ladies and gentlemen, yep, that's Soldier Field. That's what you get. And I don't even want, I, I, I wasn't even going to show you the different videos of rain falling down all over people's heads. Now, I wasn't even going to do that. 
But that's all you need to know. That's an NFL field. You know what they did? They hired a drunk. Some guy, hey, man, what are you doing today? You coming home from what? Mothers? Let's go. We need help. You got 15 bucks an hour. You lined the field at Soldier Field. What? Yeah. I got another joke that I'm only going to use with a friend of mine because he can take it. It's about him, actually. All right, let's see what goes on at Kentucky when there is a celebration. Does Kentucky just accept and know that they're going to win? Now, remember, before we go to it, remember this. Kentucky fans this year have lost their minds. Yeah, they have. They've gone crazy. They've become arrogant. About football. That's right. About football. They have gone absolutely bat blank crazy. They are telling you they're going to win the SEC. They're telling you they're going to be in Atlanta. Don't at me about it. Mark Stoops has his program as the all-time winningest coach. And by the way, congratulations, Coach Stoops, on getting her done. Getting her done. Yeah. He's the all-time winningest coach past Bear Bryant. So Kentucky goes in, plays great defense against Anthony Richardson, watch the celebration at, at Kentucky. It involves a little West Virginia. Here we go. Oh, we got chairs. We got a bonfire. Yeah, we do. We got a big bonfire. That's right. Yeah, I love it. You know, when they march the chairs, and this is like medieval, right? This is like medieval times. Part the seas, the chair is a cometh. <laughs> well, look at that. I kind of look like that guy. But anyway, congratulations to both of those teams. And, ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. Seriously, congratulations to the students. I'm telling you, you guys know this. When you were in college, you all, what? We're going to go where? All right, we're in. All you're looking for is a good time. It doesn't take, you know what a good time in college is? A case of Natty Light and a dartboard. You know what a better time in college is? Two cases of Natty Light and a dartboard. My buddy, Big BB, BBB, Big Balls Billy. And I used to sit across from each other with a dartboard between each of our legs from about me to the camera and play darts. Then we would put pads around our legs and we started hitting each other. Because let's be honest, Natty Light, although we drank Stroh's, darts, close proximity, not a great thing on a Saturday afternoon, but that's what we did. So congratulations to you students. Congratulations to those of you that are out there fighting, cheering, acting crazy, showing up with no shirts. That was a big deal this weekend in, in college football. Dude showing up with no shirts. All right, I got to go back to something because I am not happy. I got to go back to my Colts. I don't know how you all feel, but a tie. Now, let me ask you a question. This, I went to one game that ended up in a tie. Notre Dame played Michigan back in the day, all right? Notre Dame and Michigan are playing. Jerome Bettis, I remember, was on the field for Notre Dame. And it was a different era. Notre Dame had the ball. They were a bit backed up. They had to go all the way, you know, 90 yards. They basically took a knee and got a tie. All right. 
my wife and I walked around campus, and you would have thought, seriously, that Lou Holtz had never won a game in his life. I mean, never won a game. Not one game. You would have thought that. But Lou Holtz had won games. Lou Holtz had won a ton of games. But I'm telling you, man, dudes, it was like screaming into the early evening. It wasn't quite night. Guys are walking around the quad there, screaming, ah, fire Holtz. So yesterday I'm watching the Colts, and I got to ask you, you Colts fans, game's over. It's a tie. What'd you do? Like, you couldn't be mad because actually the other team, the Houston Texans, and Sean Salisbury is going to be on my afternoon show, and he is hot. But you couldn't really get mad if you're the Colts. I mean, you get mad about how they played, but they, they tried when they got the ball back inside the 10 and had to go the whole length of the field. It was fourth and two, and Lovey Smith punted it. So if I was Houston, I would be mad about that. But the Colts, so how do you feel after a tie? Like, my wife was in the other room, the lovely Lee Ross Dockage, LLRD. And she goes, what happened? I go, Lee, they tied. Her first question was, well, did you win? I go, no. No, it's a push. I took the Colts live bet. Should have taken them. Uh, I think they were getting points. Didn't. Just took them to win. Money line. They gave it back so I didn't even win. They tied. Swear, swear to God, it was a very, very odd thing. Hey, send me the YouTube chat link, will you? Uh, it was a very, very, like, what just happened here? What just went down? And then you look around and you go, huh? All right. I guess it's better than a loss, right? I mean, as bad as the AFC South is, it seems like the less losses you have, the better off you're going to be. No, feels that way. But it was a tie. And I, honest to God, I, honest to God, looked around. And I said, wait, let me check every, you know, did it, did it affect my fantasy team? No. Did it affect, no. No. Nothing. I got my 50 bucks or 25 bucks is all I put on it. I got my 25 bucks back. Colts are in first place with the tie. All right. For those of you that didn't hear the news, Dak Prescott is out. And I hate that. I, I'm, I, all right. Look, I understand we all have to. We all have to genuflect to the Cowboys every day. All right. I mean, I get it. Okay, Dak Prescott, I understand. I understand that we genuflect. I understand that all of a sudden now, Dak Prescott got himself in shape, I guess. I don't know. But Dak Prescott with a thumb is out six to eight weeks. This is why I always say, and I did, only did one team this year, and it was the Colts. I only bet the Colts over 10. I always say the dumbest bet you can make in the NFL, I swear to God, is the overseason wins Bet. I'm telling you it is because guys get hurt. How about T.J. Watt? How about T.J. Watt tearing his peck? I mean, T.J. Watt, last I looked, was as good as any. That's what I see. T.J. Watt. How about Carson Wentz? How about Carson Wentz yesterday? 
Now, look, I'm not going to tell you Carson Wentz is great. Carson Wentz can go Carson Wentz at any moment. But you know what I've learned? Other than the total great ones, and I'm talking about Brady, maybe only Brady. I mean, Mahomes can lose it a little bit, right? Josh Allen can't. Very few quarterbacks don't go Carson Wentz on you. Think about this. Yesterday, on a little boom pass like this, Matt Ryan, who's been in the league 110 years, throws an interception. I mean, he's been in the league 675 years, and he threw an interception on the simplest pass. Every quarterback can do that. So I don't know why we don't we – don't, the, the freaking season-long bet will give you a headache every time because now remember this. Remember when Jerry Jones cut all his quarterbacks? Remember when Jerry Jones said, screw this? No, he's got Cooper Rush. Okay, fine. They, they got a quarterback. They'll have a quarterback. They'll have a guy that's going to play all that. I get it, okay? No problem. But I got to tell you, this is why it is impossible for the most – not impossible, but you know what I mean. It is kind of sort of maybe impossible-ish to bet season-long bets on the NFL. Let me go to another thing. Let me go to another thing. When you're going to rank the top five quarterbacks – and you're going to rank them right now after yesterday, all right? Who do you have other than Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen? Look, Josh Allen was fantastic. Josh Allen was tremendous. Josh Allen was no joke good. Josh Allen was so – we forget about that, right, because, okay. But wouldn't you put Brady up there? Like, wouldn't you put Brady at least at a point where you're like, hey, uh – a 45-year-old guy is as good as any. I thought Brady, I don't know, he looked every bit as good as who? I don't know, either Davis Mills or Dak Prescott before he got hurt. You know who I would put up there? And I know you guys don't like this, and I'm not sure why. But you know what? You got to give me a little Kirk Cousins. I watched that game. I bet that game. I knew toughness was back in Minnesota when they hired my guy, Ryan uh, Grigson. But I got to tell you, man, 277 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions against Green Bay. I would put Kirk Cousins right up there with anybody. I think Mahomes was by far the best. I think Josh, well, not by far, because we have a tendency to forget the Thursday, right? Uh, All right. But I do say this, so many th- does anybody throw the football better than Tom Brady? Let me ask you that much. Does anybody stand back there and sling it better than that guy? Now, there are guys with powerful arms. There are guys that can go get it done. I'll give you another guy that I thought was fantastic, and that was Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston was great late. You know what I like about Jameis Winston? Jameis Winston is a guy that has real, not fake, real energy. I mean real, true energy. And all of a sudden, his team's getting pounded, right? Atlanta is beating him, 16-point lead. Jameis Winston says, "Uh, no, no. No, no. Get it back. Get it back. Get in position. Field goal, a winner. Jameis Winston is a bad boy. Don't try to tell me he's not. Jameis Winston, to me, if you can take out the crapola, and there is some crapola with Jameis Winston, but that was in college. I mean, everybody acts like 
they didn't do anything wrong in college. So many people act like, well, you know, I can't believe he acted that way. Dude was in college. Dude was feeling himself. I'm not saying he was right. He was wrong. He admitted, but let's get over that. But Jameis Winston, King Churchill on the YouTube chat said, hey, very, very, very undervalued. The cashman on the YouTube chat said Jameis Winston had a heck of a finish. He did. He did. He's very undervalued. I swear to God, he's Jose Canseco. He can go 40 for 40. I think the Saints are going to be a blast to watch. I think the Saints are going to be a team where you go, wait a second, they're not out of it. Guy said, come on, Dan, the Jaguars look much better. They did? You're telling me the Jaguars taking on the Commanders looked much better without Urban Meyer. See, this is the reason that I can't stand preseason when you, when you get a new coach and it's a new culture and blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you something. The Jaguars have been the worst franchise in the NFL forever. Forever. And ever. Ever since they've been in it. No, that's not true. No, that's not true at all. But last 10 years. Horrible. Horrendous. And Urban was trying to change that. Now, it didn't go well. Urban, in some ways, shot himself in the foot. But in more ways than not, he was undermined because he wanted to change too much too quickly by an organization that, quite frankly, is used to losing. And it was no different yesterday. I mean, they didn't get beat by Tom Brady. They got beat by Carson Wentz. They were up late. Great. And then they got beat. Nothing much changed there. No. Mm-mm. All right, last thing. Why don't more coaches go for two? And why do coaches have to do anything tricky in the NFL? Look, you may have a play. I didn't watch every play of every game. But going for two in Brian Dable, should that not be a staple of what happens here? Should that not be what goes down here? Should that not be, well, that's just what we do because we are trying to win the game? You know what I'm saying? Like, shouldn't that be it? I think that should be it. I think that should be the entire. Look, if I have two and a half yards or whatever it is, three yards, and I'm telling my team, we're all about toughness, man. We're all about fight. We're all about going after it. We're going to fight every minute. I don't care if you have one cheek and three toes. I'll kick your you know what? See that, Meg? I did pretty good. Yeah, well, then you got to go. How do you not? Two yards to win a game? Let me tell you what every NFL coach would do right now. If you said you have the football and you have two yards, three yards, to win the game, every game, 17 games, some might be analytical and say, well, how's my offense playing? How's their defense? No, you just scored a touchdown, so your offense is okay. Or maybe you got a defensive touchdown, now you got momentum. Every single team would want that. Everyone for 17 games. Would you go 17 and 0? No. No. But you would want that. Bill Martin says he was so depressed after the Colts game that he didn't watch any more football. Bill, I got to tell you, I didn't know what to do. So I came down here and I got on a Peloton. Uh, you know, Ty's weird. Ty's very, very weird. But I'm telling you, I don't understand why the two-point conversion isn't more into play. Brian Dable is being here, here being, uh, what's the right word? Uh, hailed as a hero. 
And maybe he should be. Maybe he should be. But I got to tell you, he shouldn't be. It should be the norm. But don't do it out of a wildcat when you got Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Let me, here's a football. Down, set, hut, hut, fake, give. Down, set, hut, hut, fake, give. Down, set, hut, hut, fake, fake. I mean, fellas, I can't coach it all. Certainly can't bet it all, though I had a monster week. See, my strength, and this is something that I got to figure out. My strength in, in gambling is in-game. And that's how I made our money. I don't know if you guys have all of our bets. By the way, Tommy Waddle is going to join us from Chicago. WMVP. I got to send him a note because, like me, Waddle is old. And like me, Waddle will forget. And like me, he'll feel really bad. Yeah. And I don't want him to feel bad. Tommy Waddle, former Bear. Tommy Waddle. Uh, great radio host on WMVP in Chicago in the afternoons, Waddle and Sylvie, great show. But you know what? The Colts are in first place. Uh, the AFC South stinks. They go to Jacksonville next week. The Colts broke their nine-game losing, opening game losing streak. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. They broke it. They didn't lose. They didn't lose. No, no, no. No, they did not lose. So by not losing, guess what? They broke their nine-game losing streak. Oh, man, let me ask you a question. Last thing before we go to break. Let me, let me ask you a question. hundred years ago, we lost a game at Ohio State, Indiana. Bob Knight told two of our players to go ride on the other plane. Why? Because he didn't want them on the team plane because he didn't want to yell and scream at them. Rodrigo Blankenship misses a field goal, and he missed it this way. Based on my pedigree, it'd be hard not to leave the Lego guy. It'd be hard. It'd be hard not to leave him, I think, in freaking Houston. I think it would be. You can tell me I'm wrong. You can tell me I'm wrong, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I lost every one of these bets. Every one except for one. But I'm going to tell you, and we're going to show them to you because I'm a man of honor. I'm a man of honor. But when we come back, I'm going to show them to you. I'm going to tell you about them. And guess what? I'm going to own up to it. That's right. I made, looking back on it, some really stupid bets. Share with me your bets if you would like. Ooh, Sean Black, El Presidente, says, Dan, they still have a winless streak. That is true. This is true. They do still have a winless streak. So which way is it? Did they break the unbeaten streak? Or did they keep the winless streak? Or is it both? I did take Houston in the points, uh, Sean. I did. That's the only one I won. Houston in the points. All right, we come back. We're going to recap what was a god-awful week, at least on the show. And I'm going to tell you, and I got the receipts right here on my Bet Rivers app. Right. Guy says every kicker needs a traveling psychology team. 
Yeah, they do. But you know what? Sack the hell up, kickers. I'm sacking up next. Share with me your bets. My freaking weekend was great, but you'll never know it based on the bets that I made. I'm going to tell you how I hedged a few of them. And I'll show you the receipts when we come back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I got to tell you, the bets on this show have stunk. The bets on this show that I'm giving you have been horse bleep. But I hope you're smart enough to make your own decisions. And you know what it means? It means I, ladies and gentlemen, am going to get on fire here pretty soon. Yeah, I am. Yeah, no, 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 no. I am going to get on fire. F-I-Y-A. All right. Let's show them. Let's show them what I bet last week. Let's show them what I did, big boy. Oh, man. All right. Now, that wasn't terrible. Marshall did what Marshall needed to do. Illinois did what Illinois needed to do. And I bet those on the side. And then Vanderbilt. Man, what is up with Vanderbilt? What's up with Nash Vegas? What is going on in Nash Vegas? Nash Vegas had a chance, man. Nash Vegas had a chance to get on the college football map with freaking Vanderbilt. They did. They, we here are all dying, dying to have Nash Vegas, a.k.a. Vanderbilt, become at least a player in the SEC. You know what I mean? A player. But they are not. They got thumped. Sam Hartman came back for Wake, and they got thumped. I mean thumped. Big thump. So, we lost that parley. All right, let's go to the next ones. Let's go. What was the next ones? How'd that go for me? How the hell did that go for me? I'll tell you how that went for me. Dude had two carries. In fact, the dude was so bad, I'll gladly, gladly, gladly pay that money because, frankly, He was so bad blocking, he was not interested, he didn't show to play, and the coach did what was smart. The coach said, hey, what? I'm trying to win here. You're not blocking. You're not doing nothing. You're not even playing hard. Get out of here. And I guarantee you this, Cam Akers was doing that crap in practice. I'll bet you money he was doing that crap in practice. That's why he didn't start. Guarantee it. And I applaud. I'll pay it. Look, if he were that bad in practice, he didn't deserve to start. He was that bad in the game. There's all kind of clips of Cam Akers not blocking anybody. And if you took him on your fantasy team, by the way, my fantasy team won. I'll get to that in a minute. If you took him on your fantasy team, I got nothing for you. No, seriously, I got got nothing for you. No. No. Because should you play him? Probably. Should you not play him? I don't know. But I know that I did not like this pick. I know that this pick stunk. I know that he stunk. What's next? He didn't deserve to play. Good for Sean McVay. Yeah, how'd that go? 72 to 2. 72 to 2. 
That's what it was. Yeah. The Rams had no chance in this game. The first drive of the game was glorious. I told you this the other day. If you're a football coach, here's what you do. If you're a football coach, you clip that first drive. You clip the first drive of the Buffalo Bills against the Rams. And I'm telling you right now, that drive, ladies and gentlemen, was glorious. I want to show my team this is how professional football teams come out to play. This is how guys get ready. The Rams had no chance. Zero. Zip. None. And the first drive told it all. Last year, you Colts fans out there, you'll remember the first drive Jacksonville did against the Colts to open the deciding game in the future of Carson Wentz here. Right? That decided the future. All right. Well, guess what? Same thing here. Same thing. Same thing. All right. What's next? That's a winner. Now, I will tell you this. We bet 100 to win basically 100, 110 to win 100 on that one. All right. Felt pretty good, of course, when the Colts were, you know, down 27 to 3 or whatever the hell it was, 20 to 3. Felt pretty good. But then the Colts collapsed, and I got to tell you, I'm shocked the Colts tied the game. I thought the Colts would have won the game. I did. I thought they would have won that game. They did. Lost. Get out of my – are they tied? Eh. But this one was at 1.8. At one point, this was 8. And I got to tell you, at 8, this was glorious. At 7, me no liking. No. Dylan, we can have that ready here in a little bit. That's interesting. But here's the deal. We want to bet. One and two. What's next, big boy? I'm going to tell you how I made money, though, coming up here in a minute. Yeah, how'd that go? Jeez. See, I knew Florida was a fraud. I did. I'm stupid. This was stupid. This was a really stupid bet. Why was this a stupid bet? Well, to beat Utah, Florida had to do all this stuff. This, go, this went against everything I stand for as a better. Utah had to do all this stuff. Or, they had to screw it up. Florida had to make plays out the you-know-what. It was awful. How did I make it up? I'll tell you how I made it up. I made that one up by Syracuse minus 23 and a half over UConn. That one was easy. So that's how I made that bet up. There's the receipt on it right there. I'm not going to show you my amount in my thing, but there's my receipt on that one. The Q's. You got to stay with me over the weekend. All right? What's next? Afternoon game, I'll show you a brilliant move I made. Yeah, that wasn't even close. What fields end up? And I didn't even look. Fields was at like 10 yards at halftime, something stupid. It was raining like crazy. I'm going to take a pass. I'm going to say not my fault on that one. He went for 121. I didn't know the weather was going to be this crap. I didn't. Uh Uh-uh. No, I won't take that. No. No. That's why um, I shouldn't have bet it on this show. But I lost, so I got to take it. What's next? 
Can't be whining. No whining on this show. All right. I'm going to show you the receipts. That would have pushed. All right. That one would have pushed. But I'm going to show you the receipts because I'm an honest man. We should do this. I should give these before the show. But you know what? I didn't think I'd be this big a whiner. But I am this big a whiner. So I didn't do North Carolina minus seven. I teased it down to six and a half before the game. I'll give you the receipts here. Why did I tease it down? Well, I teased it down because, frankly, and there it is. See the six and a half? I teased that one down. I didn't like the seven. I had to give seven on the show, so that ends up being a push. So I'm one, four, and one. All right, what next? Oh, God. You know what? I should be expelled from ever, ma- from ever making a bet again. Expelled. Like, I should not be allowed to show up on a gambling site and make a bet if you're going to bet Iowa, Iowa State over. A little backstory. I saw Clay. Clay puts out a Get Rich Kids. And I saw it, and I'm like, you know what? I like it. I like it. Iowa can't be this bad. They can't be. Iowa State's got some juice to it. Uh, No, they cannot be this bad. They were that bad. Not only were they that bad, the other team was that bad. Ten to seven. Ten to seven. Seven nothing in the first quarter. I thought to myself, all right, that's at least 28. If we can get a seven to seven second quarter, then we're ahead of the game. Yeah, no. Iowa's best receiver, Charlie Jones, is the leading receiver in the country with Purdue. He wanted to get out of there. Why? Well, because. Because. They don't throw. They got no offense. All right, I'm going to show you a genius pick, though, that I made. All right, I'm showing you this pick uh, because this was genius. Here's how I made up for that one. I bet $50 to win $100 on a touchdown from Alabama on a possession. I'm watching the game with Jared. We're sitting there. We're watching. And next thing you know, boom. Boom. Touchdown. So that's how I made that back. I made two other bets back because my friend, the cash man, at the cash man wins, gave me Duke plus 10. That was easy money. I also, because of the cash man, took BYU late night. That was easy money. That's right. That's right. I made money this weekend. Enough money that I took some out, but I didn't make you money. And I don't like it. Syracuse, minus 23, a winner. BYU, minus two and a half, a winner. Over 42 in the uh, in the uh, Cleveland Panther game, a winner. Over 227 and a half, Miles, uh, Davis Miles passing yards, a winner. Colts bet, void. Minnesota, in-game bet, minus four and a half, a winner. Minnesota, minus four and a half, I did it again because I hit a wrong button. One, I did seven, was well, $7 to win 13. The other, I did 110 to win 210. Winner. Lost on the Cowboys last night. Stupid bet. Stupid bet. Idaho 
I didn't bet Idaho to win. Uh, what did I do? Yeah, I did. At halftime, they were up. I took them on the money line. What are you going to do? And UCF. And then the ones I, I didn't bet all the ones that I told you about. But I made up for all of them, ladies and gentlemen. And I got to tell you, I might be the only guy on television. I sound like one of those old-fashioned bet things that lets you know, lets you know how badly they did. I was 1-5-1 and one on our bets here. But that's all right. That makes me three, eight, and one. You know what they say, water finds its level. I'll have a bet for tonight. A uh, couple of things from football. Hey, can we show the <laughs> – here's who the Dallas Cowboys fans want the Cowboys to trade for. Twitter users in Dallas, you know what they want? They want Mason Rudolph. They want Mason Rudolph for Micah Parsons. Are you saying? Are you insane? They want Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph is the perfect choice. Why is Mason Rudolph the perfect choice? Now remember, Dak Prescott's out to six to eight weeks. Now, if Dak Prescott were a Colt, six to eight weeks means six to eight months. I don't know how they do it in Dallas, but I know this: that's how they do it in Indy. Uh, out, well, he's day to day. That means week to week. Well, he's month to month. Uh, that means he's out for the, you know, IR. Uh, well, you know, he's, he, no, he's out for the season. If they're well, do you know? And maybe that's the way every NFL team does it. I'm just telling you, day to day means week to week. Week to week means month to month. Month to month means you're done. So Dak Prescott is out now with a thumb six to eight weeks. Is the season over for them? I got to tell you, they didn't look very good with Dak Prescott. 19 to 3. I mean, I don't know. You tell me. But when I watched them play, I thought, eh, they're not very good. Is the season over? I don't know. You know what the most interesting thing is? You know the happiest man in sports should be right now? You guys that listen to my show, you'll probably know this. The happiest man in sports right now should be Scott Frost. That's right, Scott Frost. Scott Frost was done a solid by Nebraska. First, they hired Scott Frost, which was awesome. All right, awesome. That means you get to come back to your alma mater, be the conquering hero, and coach your football team. Opportunity of a lifetime. Then it didn't go well, but they kept him. They kept him this year. Reduced salary, fine, still over a million. Reduced a little bit of the staff. Scott Frost, they stuck with him when he lost close games. They stuck with him when Scott Frost had NCAA violations. Mine, not big ones, but big enough. There's minor violations that don't matter. And then there's those that are big enough to have you have some sanctions, maybe a non-recruiting day or two, and then there's the big ones, or at least they used to be. So Nebraska stays with Scott Frost doing this entire time, but that's not the biggest solid that Nebraska did for Scott Frost. Listen to this. Scott Frost getting fired at Nebraska yesterday. His buyout was scheduled to drop from $15 million to $7.5 million dollars October 1. Now, today is September 12th. I don't know about you, but October 1st is pretty freaking soon.
It is. They could have cut their buyout in half, but they did not. $7.5 million worth of solid is what Nebraska's Trev Alberts and their board did for their guy, Scott Frost. I like it. Scott Frost should be the happiest dude in America right now. Make no mistake about it. Like, Scott Frost right now is miserable. Oh, are you crazy? Look, I get it. We all get involved in our egos, right? We all want our ego to be satiated, to be satisfied. We do. We want our ego. We lost. That is crushing to a coach. I don't mean sort of, kind of crushing. I mean the kind of crushing that's like a dagger right here and you can't. But I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. If I'm Scott Frost and I got a little experience on me, I got a little backside on me, I'm not mad even a little bit. I'm not mad even sort of. Yeah, my ego's hurt. Yeah, everybody's upset. You're giving me $15 million not to do something on top of giving me about $10 million to do something? Are you serious? Woo-hoo! He'll understand that. Maybe never. I hope Scott Frost doesn't go be like an offensive coordinator somewhere. Like, I get it. Everybody says coaching is in your blood and you got, it is, I get it. I still like to coach, I suppose, but I don't miss it. And I got to tell you, man, I didn't get 15 million. You know what I got from Bowling Green? And I didn't get fired. My contract ran out. From Indiana, though, I told them, look, I'll do this till the end of the year, but you got to give me 200,000 the next year too. Guess what? They did. I should have said, well, I, uh, I get 200000 over the next two years, looking back on it. But I got to tell you, and Dominican Sue wants to be the head coach. Eh. Okay. I, it didn't work out well, bringing up Scott Frost back. Let me tell you something else that hasn't worked out well. At this point, and you guys are going to disagree with this, but Notre Dame, Notre Dame has hired three guys, three guys that have not, that did not have college coaching experience. Bob Davey, Charlie Weiss, and now Marcus Freeman. That's who they hired. Jack Swarbrick, I don't know if he went out and got these guys on the cheap. I have no idea. Maybe he did. And maybe he didn't. But at Notre Dame, Bob Davey was 35 and 25. Never won double-digit game. Now, here's the deal, though. I will say this about Bob Davey. Bob Davey took over a bit of a mess, and he did a pretty good job as an interim coach. But Bob Davey had no experience as a head coach, and he was at Notre Dame. And went 35 and 25, which I don't know about you guys, but it feels like, it just feels like you should be better than that. Charlie Weiss then becomes the coach. You know what Charlie Weiss went? 35 and 27. So you got 70 and 52. That's good if you're in Indiana. You're crazy. And then you got 0 and 3. Marcus Freeman, 
I'm just saying, if you're Notre Dame and you're Jack Swarbrick, why are people, why are we hiring people that never coached in college when it has not worked? Never a head coach. None of these three guys. It wasn't that they didn't coach in college. They're never a head coach. I, I don't get it. There you go. There you go. That's pretty good by Andy Staples. Yeah. How about that? That's college football. Seriously, right there. Let me give you a couple other things. How about my Big Ten? Is my Big Ten any good? Nebraska, what are you doing? No, no, uh, uh, what? How can football schools like Louisville, how can football schools like, oh, I don't know, Kentucky, Louisville stinks, but at least they went down to Central Florida and won. They've had a Heisman Trophy winner. Kentucky just beat freaking Florida at Florida. Why can't my school do any good? That's why I'm all over this. They're 2-0. and But why can't they? You know what I'm saying? What, 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 what? What's up with my school? I thought Indiana was going to lose to Idaho. They didn't, thank goodness. But let me ask you a question. I understand you guys are all out there going, well, you know, Marcus Freeman's a great coach. I'm just telling you, Charlie Weiss, Bob Davey, Marcus Freeman, three guys at Notre Dame, at Notre Dame, N.D., Notre Dame should be, should be whether uh, Urban Meyer, Bill Belichick, or Mike Tomlin are going to take the job. That's the level that Notre Dame should be at. Hey, do we want to go with an older guy in Bill Belichick? Do we want to go with Mike Tomlin be interested? Mike Tomlin's a great football coach. Seems like he's got a bit of a Midwest presence. Illinois has done, or excuse me, Notre Dame's always done really well with Pennsylvania players. You imagine Mike Tomlin walking in in Chicago or Pennsylvania? Notre Dame's always done great in those two cities. And then Urban Meyer. When you get Urban Meyer, all you're going to do is win. I mean, that, you know, I'm sorry you don't like him or whatever, but all you're going to do is win. Could you imagine Mike Tomlin walking into a home in Pennsylvania trying to get a kid to come to Notre Dame, whoo, that's who they should be debating between. Or Bill Belichick walking into a home, or Urban Meyer at Notre Dame. This is who they should be debating about, not Bob Davey, Charlie Weiss, and frickin' Mar uh, Marcus Freeman. I'll give Marcus Freeman a chance. I mean, look, but he showed that being a player's coach ain't the thing, baby. No, no. There are games that Brian Kelly lost, but Brian Kelly don't lose that one. He don't lose that one. All right? Carlos Alcaraz, he won the U.S. Open and is number one in the country in the world of tennis at 19 years old, the youngest major winner since Nadal. He's Spanish like Nadal. World's youngest ever, number one, youngest to win the U.S. Open since 90 when Pete Sampras did it. And if you go back when Sampras was 19, winning the U.S. Open, I got to tell you, Sampras looked like he was five. Like five. He did. He absolutely did. And you know what? 
Good for him. What a career, right? What a career. So, we had a lot going on this weekend. God, was it great. Last thing, before I come back with Tommy Waddle and talk about the Bears, the NFL, and, of course, the mess that is Soldier Field. Aaron Rodgers. He looked old yesterday. Now, the one thing about Aaron Rodgers, he can look disinterested. But I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers didn't look a little old last night. I watched a lot of that because my guy Ryan Grigson is the second in command with the Minnesota Vikings, so I'm now a Viking fan. The Vikings look tough. The Vikings' Kirk Cousin, Justin Jefferson, my God, how good is that? The coach, Kevin McConnell or O'Connell, I can never remember which one. I get my mix and my O's mixed up. Guess what? He looked damn good. And they had toughness. Toughness in the Colts world walked out the building the minute Ryan Grigson walked out of there. The great overcorrection in Indianapolis has not been a rousing success. But I'll tell you this much. Minnesota got off to a hell of a start in a division that the great Tom Waddle knows better than anybody. The great Tommy Waddle is hooked up, so we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk to greatness. Ladies and gentlemen, we are getting ready to talk to the greatest of all time. In the history of Chicago, there is a Mount Rushmore, Les Grobstein, uh, Manchette Kopik, Tom Waddle. That's right. Former Bear. Current stud. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. I, I'm, I'm looking up the word stud right now. I, I'm looking it up. And, oh, whoa, there's a picture of Tom Waddle. Well, there he is. Huh. All right. There you go. How are you, my friend? Host at 10, uh, excuse me, AM1000, WMVP, former bear, knows everything. How are you? I'm doing well, Danny. How are you? I don't know everything, and I'm not sure that my picture is next to the word stud in the dictionary, but I'll roll with you for that. Tommy W., I'm an ish guy. I'm close. I, I, I maneuver it close. You know what I mean? I don't – not exact, you know. What did you think of your team? In the rain yesterday, they got it done. Eberflus' is the ba- debut is awesome. Yeah, I got I to gotta tell you, Dan, I think the one thing we saw from this group Um, And again, it's a young group. They had 11 rookies that were on the active roster yesterday. And I think that if you stack our team up with other teams in the National Football League, at least the ones that are in the better top half of of the league, talent-wise, we're not going to stack up. But there's a theme that's been building since day one of training camp here is is we're just not going to beat ourselves. Okay, we may not win the talent's battle here, but what we're going to do is take care of the football and we're going to play disciplined ball. And you saw that yesterday. You saw them. They committed three penalties to the to the 49ers, nine or 12 penalties for 99 yards. The Bears won the turnover battle. They turned it over once. The 49ers turned it over twice. At the end of the day, the Niners had 300 and some yards. We only had 204. But we didn't beat ourselves. By we, I mean the Bears. Uh, it's hard to break my, you know, my habit of that. But, yeah, I think that Eberflus and, and Ryan Poles, the new GM, they got a little something going. There will be a grace period. Um, you know, it's all blue skies and sunshine, metaphorically, of course, because yesterday was a monsoon. But I think people are happy with the change that has taken place here in Chicago. 
you know, I talked to Cappy, I don't know, training camp started. He said there's an energy to it that they haven't seen. There's a, like a black cloud has been lifted. Does that make sense? Figuratively, of course, because the black cloud was out there yesterday. Yeah, I think there's no doubt, Danny. I mean, you've been in sports all your life. You, you've coached groups, whether they were uh, they were veteran groups or they were they were younger teams. You've played on teams that some years they're veterans and other years they're dominated by youth. And I think this team's dominated by youth. And quite frankly, they don't know any better. So when times get tough, uh, their daubers don't go down. They just know one thing. Keep rushing. Keep, you know, t uh, getting after it. Keep playing hard. Be disciplined. That's what happened yesterday. They got down early. Offensively, they were a disaster in the first half. They made some halftime adjustments. They never quit. And I think the youth is is kind of the reason why there is some enthusiasm with this team. And um, again, look, do I expect them to go up to Green Bay next Sunday night and beat a Packers team that's licking their wounds after getting throttled by the Vikings? I, I won't go that far. But I do believe that this team consistently this year will play hard, they'll be disciplined, and they'll be competitive. How, like, Justin Fields, you know, had nothing in the first half. He played better. But how difficult was it to even move as a player yesterday on the field? How, how bad was it? Well, if you have speed, it really wasn't, it wasn't great. Those were my quintessential field conditions. Like, for me, I was a mutter. I was like, I would love the rain coming down. You know, I mean, it sucked when the wind was blowing hard. But when the field gets to be that sat, you know, saturated, uh, look, the guys who run four, six, four, six, five, like me, I think that, you know, it's the great equalizers. So, uh, but in all seriousness, I, I think it was very difficult. I think you saw two young quarterbacks. Our quarterback, young quarterback has a ways to go but he's more ready to play now than what the 49ers threw out there. There's been a lot of hype about Trey Lance. I'm not really sold on what I've seen so far, but I haven't seen a whole lot. I mean, I think this was his second or third start as a, an NFL player, uh, but you could tell that Justin was a little further along in his growth than the, the 49ers signal caller. Is it fair for San Francisco fans to now, you know, you knew this was coming, right, with Jimmy G? You had to. Is it fair to uh, draw any conclusions from Trey Lance yesterday? It's not, uh, but we know we live in that business where, you know, we exaggerate everything that we see. I, 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 look, I, I thought it was odd. I thought it was a win-win for the organization to bring Jimmy back. It's a guy that's been to an NFC title game twice in three years. I, I I'm not one that believes that if you think that they brought him back and, and it's, it has nothing to do with what Kyle Shanahan feels about, feels about his young quarterback, I'm not so sure I buy that. I think it's great for the organization, uh, but I think it's also a sign, at least to me, that, that they're not 100% sold that Trey's going to get up to speed as quickly um, as they would like. Now, with that said, Dan, look, I do think it's unfair to say that Trey Lance, based on yesterday's performance, can't elevate his game and make it in the NFL. Uh, third start, as I said, horrible conditions. Seem, let him play four, five, six games on a fast track and see if those improvements are made. But you see some of the tendencies that young quarterbacks have in a negative way. The eyes come down when the pass rush gets to them and they're not looking down the field. I don't think he has a good feel for the pocket just yet. But, yeah, when you, when you factor in the conditions they were playing in, uh, I think it would be an exaggeration to say, wow, Trey Lance can't do it. 
What about Justin Fields? Where are you at with him? You mentioned that he seemed a little uh, farther along than Lance. How so? Uh, I think he's got a better feel. I think he's a, you know, he's, he's the recognized leader in that offensive huddle. Um, like I'm cautiously optimistic. There's no question when Justin uses his athletic ability and, you know, gets outside the pocket and gets some of those, uh, you know, off schedule plays. It turned the game yesterday. The Bears had no offense for the first half. And then I think at the five minute mark is when he broke contain and threw the ball way across the field and had a 51 yard touchdown pass to Dante Pettis. That changed the entire feel of the game. Those are the types of plays that Justin can give you on a consistent basis. The question is, and we've had so many of our, you know, the great quarterbacks in the league tell us over the course of years of doing this job, you know, like Steve Young would tell us, look, being able to get outside on the edge and make, make plays is dynamic. It's, it's, it enhances your ability and your effectiveness as a quarterback. But at the end of the day in the National Football League, if you can't also – function and excel from between the tackles in the pocket it's going to be hard for you really to to win a, a championship so that's that's where the growth has to take place and it's not all going to happen right away it takes years for a lot of these guys uh, justin can make all the off schedule plays he is dynamic uh, he makes things happen when he's out on the edge he's just got to learn how to function and process things between the tackles and like i said for a lot of guys that takes some time and he's in the growth you know the growth process when you, when you look across the Bears team, and you mentioned, you know, they may not have a ton of talent, what will, what will this team be? Will this team be a fly-to-the-football defensive team? Will this team be a dynamic, not dynamic, but a Justin Fields has to make plays for us to win? You know what I mean? What, what do you think? Yeah. I think what they're going to be is a team that hustles, a team that doesn't beat itself, a team that plays good defense, like Eberflus has – you know, really focused on, on, you know, ingraining in these guys that, look, we need to take the football away. I think you saw some of that in Indy. Uh, we certainly yep. have seen preseason, and we've seen that through two games or through one regular season game here. I think they're going to be a good, steady team that, that is not afraid to get in the phone booth with you and, and, and get involved in a knockdown dragout. At the end of the day, I don't know that they'll win more than they lose because, again, I don't think that they match up talent-wise with the rest of the league, and, and I don't think that they feel that way. This is a rebuild. Ryan Poles came in and basically decided to move on from Khalil Mack and move on from Allen Robinson and Akeem Hicks and some of the guys that were great players for this team over the last several years. They've got 15 rookies on their roster, 11 of them, as I mentioned to you, I think dressed yesterday. So – they realize they're not where they want to be roster-wise. That won't happen for another year. Next year, they'll have a full complement of their draft picks. They're going to have $100 million to spend in free agency. I think this year is about building a foundation where guys get back to playing good, sound, fundamental football. They're going to be disciplined. They're going to play hard. Um, I think that's who they are. I think that watching the development of the quarterback is obviously the most important issue with this team and if Justin can make some progress and you can go into free agency with a rookie quarterback or a quarterback on his rookie deal it gives you a lot of flexibility and you can do a lot of stuff I feel like Justin Fields is um and you know I've been and paid attention to Chicago football my whole life and there are some guys that frankly are unlikable some guys that you know, play their way into being unlikable. I feel like Justin Fields, people really, really, really want this guy to finally be the guy. Like, I, I think, you know, maybe everybody wanted Cutler or whatever, but I just feel like 
You drafted him early. You know, dynamic guy. This has to be the guy, I feel like, uh, Tommy. Finally. Well, yeah, Danny, you know, it's been, with all due respect to, to, to Jay and to Jim McMahon, who had a good run, but Jim's, you know, his career was, was basically affected, obviously, by all the injuries that he sustained. We really have not had that marquee great quarterback. And, um, yeah, I think first and foremost, this, this, this city is thirsty for that guy. And I think the fact that Justin is a likable guy and he's a hard worker and he's a leader for this team. And you do see those, those flash plays and, and the enormous, um, you know, athletic ability. I think that there's a lot of optimism in this town and for good reason, it's just such a hard position to play. And if you don't have the protection in front of you and you don't have some help around you, there's kind of a ceiling on how good you can play. That's why I think that they, everyone looks at this season as, you know, build a foundation, a nice base. Let Justin progress and make some, some you know, some improvements in some important areas. And to, to me, Danny, 2022 is meaningless with regard to the record. And that may sound stupid, and I may be the only football analyst out there that would ever say that. But based on how this team is built, the changes that have taken place, I want them to develop young players. I want them to install, um, you know, a culture, and I want them to build that foundation. And then, you know what, 2023 is go time. My patience will run thin next year. Next year, they got all the draft picks back. They got a lot of free agency, you know, cash to spend. And that's when you're going to be expected to win. But right now, I think it's about building that foundation and, and most importantly, making sure that your quarterback is, is making progress. Um. Your division, I saw Detroit go for two days against the Colts, and if the Colts are supposed to be good, Detroit was the equal, if not more athletic. I watched the Vikings yesterday. I got to tell yeah. you, and I know this you can't say this, but Aaron Rodgers looked old in his weapon. Aaron Rodgers was right about his young receivers because it looked like a mess. What do you think? Where do the Bears fit in here? Well, I, I'll address the, the Packers first. You know we always overreact after the first week of the season. The Bears are going oh, yeah. to the Super Bowl. Packers are going 0-17. That's not going to be the case on either front. I'm pretty confident about that. Remember, Danny, the, the Packers you know, got boat raced by the Saints in week one last year, and things turned out. Now, the difference is obviously – you know, arguably the best, if not one of the top three receivers in all of football, Devontae Adams, has now set up shop in Las Vegas. So that is going to take some getting used to. They played with with backup tackles yesterday. Both your right tackle and your left tackle were out. Uh, Minnesota's got a new swagger to them. I think that they they had Zim fatigue in Minneapolis, if you ask me. Take nothing away from Mike Zimmer. He's had a great career as a coach in this league. But I don't think the coach and the quarterback had a good relationship. Uh, I think the defense was banged up and needed to be improved. I think what you saw yesterday was Kevin O'Connell come in and give a little energy to this offense. You saw a lot of movement, a lot of motion. You see Kirk Cousins, who's playing with, again, one week overreaction, but uh, he's playing with some confidence that maybe at times waned over the last couple of years because he knew there was an angry Zim on the sidelines at the end of every play. Defensively, they bolstered what they're doing. They're going to be a tough out. I would just, if I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, though, I'm not panicking. They'll get Bakhtiari back, hopefully. They'll get Jenkins back. Uh, maybe some of their young receivers will develop. At one point, Devontae Adams was an unknown or unproven wide receiver in this league as well. 
So maybe they find some guys. I, I trust that Matt LaFleur has got a good football brain and a good approach. So I, I wouldn't, I'm not worried about the Green Bay Packers. They may not be, you know, the 13 win team they've been in recent years, but they'll still be good. And the Lions we saw last year, the, the Lions lost more than they won. But if you're a gambler, you want a lot of money on the Lions because the Lions were in every game. They covered a ton of spreads. And, and Dan Campbell, say whatever you want about Dan. Dan's got a good football brain. Dan's got those guys playing hard. They're going to be a tough out for everyone. Ask the Eagles. The Eagles had a big lead in that game, and, the, and the, you know, the Lions just keep coming back. So it's going to be a more competitive NFC North and maybe a better NFC North than we've seen. But you know, I think the Bears will still find themselves behind the Packers and the, Lo- or, uh, the Vikings, and it'll be the Bears and the Lions kind of fighting for third place in the division. That's where I see it now. But, again, you know, a lot of stuff changes after one week in the league. Hey, uh, a lot of people hitting me with asking you. I, I'll let, I'll, I'll uh, finish up with this. Bears to Arlington Heights. That's uh, paperwork. Just needs to be signed. Where are they? Yeah, they need to get a bunch of shovels, some uh, some construction equipment, and yes, sign that deal. But I, I think there's no question that deal's going to happen. I think it's the right decision. Look, I love this football team. I was blessed to have played for them for six years. Uh, I played at Soldier Field. It's a, iconic. I feel blessed to have been out there. I was there yesterday in the monsoon. It is not easy to get in. It is not easy to get out. They just need they need a, a fr- the the charter franchise needs a building that is is representative of this great organization. And I think it'll happen up in Arlington Heights. It'll take some time, but I think it's just a matter of crossing T's, dotting I's, and getting all the construction uh, equipment in, in line. But I think it'll happen. I remember the mayor got rid of Miggs Airport in the middle of the night. He got the things going yeah. down Lakeshore Drive and said, hey, let's go. Yeah. Well, I don't know if there'll be anything done under the the, the cloak of secrecy. I think that everyone kind of knows where this thing is going. But, look, getting in and out of Soldier Field, I can attest to it yesterday. It, it ain't easy. And, you know, that – I love all the people too, Danny, and I'll probably piss off some folks because, you know, bear football, bear football is the biggest fallacy in all of the NFL. And from my perspective, bears hibernate. It's cold and in the snows on the ground. Like nobody wants to watch a foot. I don't. Okay. Maybe I won't say nobody. Nobody wants to watch a football game played in those conditions. What it does is it takes some of the best athletes in the world and it neutralizes their unbelievable athleticism. I don't want Mother Nature to play a role in what I think is the greatest sport on the planet. And I think once you go to Arlington Heights, you put a dome on that thing, we won't have to worry about puddles and all the other nonsense we saw yesterday. They got the same guy lying in the field that lines the mush ball place that's 16-inch <laughs> across the street, man. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> And, and a lot of the guys that take care of the turf are friends of mine from years gone by, and they do a fabulous job. But you can only do, you know, so much with what you're working. Right. When I and when we were at ESPN and I'd sit in the in the makeup chair, I'm like, this is all you got to work with. You'd be the best right. part of the planet, but this is all I got. So you know what? Have at it. I say it all the time. There's only so yeah. much you can do with all this, baby. You there? Amen. <laughs> hey, Amen. hey, man, what's on the show today? What do you got? A lot of Bears talk, obviously. Uh, oh, we're going to talk White Sox. No, I'm joking. Yeah, of course. We'll, we'll, we'll break this one down. I think 
again, this is one of those games where we, we, most of us thought they would play, play a close game, but they would probably, the, the 49ers would get the best of them. So it's a victory Monday. We'll have fun with that. Uh, I think a lot of people, again, are excited about just the, the foundation that hopefully is being set here. Uh, so yeah. And then we'll spin around the NFL. You know how it is on a Monday. There's nothing better in our business than the Monday after the first week of the this season. There's so many people that want to make so many bold statements and, like, I'm not one of them, but, you know, I think it's cool to hear everybody's, uh, you know, reaction to everything. Yeah, the Colts tied, so we can just open the phone lines and listen for three and a half hours and go take some Prozac after and try to feel better, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you won't have many strong thoughts about what you saw yesterday. Appreciate you, Tommy. Thanks, man. That was great stuff. You got it, Danny. Be well. All right, that's the great Tom Waddle. You can hear him every afternoon on AM 1000 in Chicago, former Bear Great, and does he and Waddle and Sylvie's a fantastic, fantastic show uh, that I feel honored to have been a part of a couple different times. But look, the Bears have not had a quarterback that anybody gets excited about since uh, Sid Luckman. Like, if you look at the passing records, I think, I think, Cutler broke some of them, but I'm telling you, man, Sid Luckman, I think he still has some. Now, I'm old. Sid Luckman was way, way, way before me. Like, that's how inept the Bears have been. And to Tommy's point, if you've ever been to Soldier Field, two things. One, parking is ridiculous. Now, they renovated it in 2002, so that's 20 years ago. And in Chicago, at least my people in Chicago think, well, it was just renovated. No, 20 years ago. Long time in the renovation business. And the second thing is getting in and getting out with traffic right there in kind of a landlocked area off of Lakeshore Drive is impossible. So the Bears are going to Arlington Heights, and we have had a great day here on this show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know uh, we go woke-a-dope. However, however, must I say that my, and I don't going to talk about this only at the end of Mondays or, or Sundays, depending on when it was over. Usually I am not one to brag much, although I think I won my first fantasy game yesterday. Leonard Fournette got just enough yards. Next thing you know, uh, yep, we got it. Tonight, Broncos at the Seahawks. Uh, I'm telling you right now. I'm, I like, I, you guys may not like this, but I like Russell Wilson to be the MVP, but I don't know that I'm giving six and a half on the road. I, I, I don't know. There is a bet on DraftKings. Re, listen to this. Revenge of the Russ. 300 yards passing, two, uh, two plus touchdown passes, Broncos to win, and 25 plus passing attempts. So there you go. Gino and his merry men on DraftKings. 220 passing, 50-plus yards for T, uh, DK Metcalf, 50-plus yards for Lockhart, and the Seahawks over one-and-a-half touchdowns. You want to ride with the Broncos? You got Russell Wilson, two touchdowns, Cortland Sullo, uh, Sutton, 65-plus yards, Jerry Jude, 55, and the race to 10, the Broncos. I'm taking all those. What the heck? Although I got to go uh, drive to Columbus, Ohio today. 
But anyway, I'm not taking a six and a half, but I do think this. I'm not touching that. But I do think this. I do think it is going to be fun to watch what happens tonight in Seattle when Russell Wilson goes in there. I mean, let's be honest. Russell Wilson, we talked about it. Russell Wilson should have a montage, a video montage. He should get hugs. He should get a standing ovation. Ten years, two Super Bowls, one that they won, the other that they should have won. Are you kidding me? It's no question, no question whatsoever. None. Zero. All right. Uh, we got Woke and Dope. Who's Woken and who's doping today, fellas? What a great show today. Oh, my God. Really? Like Brooklyn Dad Defiant. I got to tell you, you know, there's video of people being let in the Capitol. I'm not going to argue about that. What was done in the Capitol was asinine. I'm not going to argue about that. But you got over 1,000 people dead, man. You got over 1,000 people dead. A country that basically was terrorized. Now, you could say, I suppose, I guess, if you're staunch in it, you could say that you were terrorized on January 6th. But to say that it was even close is, uh, well, buffoonery. I was going to say I was going to swear, but I did not. I will not. Um, 9-11, number of deaths. 2,996, at least according to Wikipedia. Now, I don't know what to tell you. If you think, oh, I guess 96, they're giving 12 Al-Qaeda terrorists. Yeah, I'm not giving those dirtbags any love. 2,977. I don't give a damn about those 19 participants or murderers. No, I don't give a damn about them. Not even a little bit. Screw them. So 2,977 human beings die. They die. Now, are you kidding me? Uh, two, and you're comparing that to some idiots in clown costumes going into the Senate? Good for you, man. Good for you. But anybody that was alive knows exactly where they were on 9-11. I certainly do. I was at my desk at Bowling Green. My then wife called and said, are you watching this? I said, watching what? She said, turn your TV on. I turned the Today Show on, and it was about two minutes later that the second plane crashed into the tower. My assistant, uh, Keith Knobs, was from New York, and he, I, Keith, he came running in, and we sat there all day, and we watched this. You know, my wife, Lee, was the softball coach at Bowling Green, and she went and got her kids and went home. We were supposed to have workouts. My players came in. I said, fellas, you need to go home and you need to watch this. This is the defining event of your life right here. We canceled workouts, and then we talked about it the next day. People were scared, legitimately scared. I didn't go get my kids. I look back on it, and I say, why didn't I go get my kids? I should have gone and got my kids. But, uh, you know... So anyway, you can equate the same thing, but that's just political. I live in the real life. I live in real world. I live in what's, what's actual. And the fact of the matter is 9-11 with 2,900 lives lost is the worst tragedy on our soil ever. Now, some people, I guess, act of war, if you are going to say that the coronavirus was not an act of war. A lot of people feel the coronavirus was set into the United States. I don't know the facts on that. I know you could read facts any way that you want, but one thing I do know is that those planes crashing into those towers was real, it was war, and we all felt it. 
And I got to tell you, the bravery of the men and women reacting to 9-11, and there were so many different brave elements to it, whether it was the church right across the street. If you want to see something, I think they took down the memorials, but it was unbelievable. I went into that church. I'm still to this day upset with myself and my coach, Keith Noss, my assistant coach, because we were going to New York and he got a call from a family member that said, don't come. They're not letting people in. We were just going to go to help. We were just going to go to remove rubble. We were just going to go to pass out water, but they said, don't. And then we found out later we could have. I don't have many regrets in my life, but that is one. I wished that I had gone out there, but we all know where we were. We all know where, how we felt on 9-11. So for that jackass to compare that even a little bit is utter buffoonery. Yes, I owe you a dollar. Meg, 9-11, nothing compared to it. Nothing. No. Nothing, hopefully nothing ever will. I mean, to see a plane go into a tower and literally be watching on television as that tower goes... Uh, none of us. I had a player that was literally across the street, across, what is it, the Hudson River? He was in New Jersey going to high school, a grade school, I think he was. And he's like, Coach, we saw it live, man. We sitting there as a kids. We, 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 we looked out, and we're like, what? And there, here came the second plane. And so many lives lost, so many lives affected, so many moms, dads, cousins, aunts, uncles, so uh, across the country. And if you weren't one of the ones affected, then you're lucky. Personally, uh, I didn't know anybody, at least I don't think that I did. To this point, I haven't learned of anybody that was related to me or a friend, but I know so many that do, and I'm so sorry, but I'm so grateful for our first responders. I'm so grateful for our firemen, our police, our EMTs, you name it. I'm grateful for people that run in as we are running out. Speaking of that, uh, tomorrow I'm uh, hoping to get the big boss on, Clay. Tonight we'll see some Monday night football. I'm looking forward to seeing Russell Wilson do his thing back at home. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be interesting. And isn't that all we want in our world. Don't we want just fun and interesting? Then we got to wait a couple days and then it all starts again, ladies and gentlemen. It does. I don't like Tuesdays. I don't like Wednesdays. I like Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and Monday, Tuesday. Nope. Wednesday. Nope. Thursday, Friday. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, if you want to check all this out, we'll be ranting and raving. We've already started arguments with the local yokels here in Indianapolis that are saying the Colts are fine. I'm going to go ripshod. So is my friend, Sean Salisbury. He joins me at one. We will rip up on the Colts. Hey, you can't tie. I don't know how to feel after a tie. From Sean's perspective, he's in Houston as a radio guy. I got to tell you, he's miserable because why don't you just go for it and try to win a freaking game? That, my friends, will be from noon to three on 1075 The Fan. Have a great, great afternoon, everybody. Join us over there, the YouTube chat. Thanks for today. Absolutely popping. We'll see you over on the YouTube chat at 1075. Have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. Stay safe out there. Carson Wentz, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Tom Brady, a win. Bill Belichick, another loss. Don't tell me for a second that we're not going to keep comparing the two. What has two thumbs and is always going to compare the two? You want to? I'll tell you what has two thumbs and is always going to compare the two. This guy. It's time for Belichick to win a freaking game. It is. It's time for the national media to shut up about Frank Reich 
and Chris Ballard. It's time for them to win games. Uh, that's right. Don't at me, people. Don't at me. I'm getting myself fired up. I'm rehearsing for this afternoon. What do you think? We'll be right back. Oh, no, we're done. See you tomorrow.